Hello and welcome to the Money Marketing Podcast. I'm Kimberly Dondo, Digital Content Manager. And in this end of month podcast, I'm joined once again by the illustrious editorial team. Um, So I'll let them introduce themselves. Hi, I'm Tom Brown. I'm editor of Money Marketing. Hi, Dan Cooper, news editor. Hi, Lois Valley, chief reporter. Hi, Mamadou Musatoui, senior reporter. Hi, Darius McQuaid, reporter. Okay, amazing. Thank you guys once again for joining me uh, for this end of month podcast. Um, So I guess we can jump into February and everything that we covered there. Um, Is there anything in particular that stood out for you, Tom? Shall we start with you? Well, a a couple of things. One sort of uh, interesting sort of article about... um, pensions and what the Labour Party's approach to pensions might possibly do. Uh, It's uh, written by Simon Fitzpatrick, uh, the head of public affairs at H. Pfizer's Cicero, which I thought um, was an interesting sort of speculative piece. There's a lot being talked about uh, Labour's financial plans, what they may or might not be if they Mm -hmm. do, as expected, win the election. Um, they very much had a sort of don't scare the horses approach when it comes to um, their financial plans, particularly around uh, tax, uh, just because they don't want to alienate potential support. But uh, there is an interesting idea about uh, around this publication of financing growth, Labour's plan for financial services that came out just recently about, you know, what what a Labour-led Treasury might actually do. Uh, it addressed lots of different issues. Um, around international competitiveness and green finance obviously since we've had the row back about the um the green new deal so-called green new deal which it was originally pledging um i think it was 28 billion pounds a year uh for and it's rowed back against that problems but it's there's a lot of speculation that it might do something radical on pensions so uh, that's mm-hmm. certainly something to uh, uh keep an eye on and particularly with the budget coming out what what the tories might um might do uh to try and uh, you know, win back potential support ahead of their their election. Uh, but it's an interesting matter of speculation, and I certainly recommend the article. And from a personal point of view, uh, I did a weekend essay on yeah. um, on a, a sort of little sort of spat. Spat is what I called it. A lot of people put me <laughs> up on this term, spat, but exchange. Spat is what it was. I think, I think it was a spat. <laughs> well, I'm going to exchange, I'm going to say, between uh, ex-Monty Python stars Eric Idle and John Cleese. And I um, and I posted it on Twitter and I got a reply from Eric Idle himself. Wow. Saying, saying yes. It wasn't even just he loved it, right? He, he quote tweeted it. He quote retweeted it. He quote retweeted his, it. Yeah. And so I, like, got, I love this piece. This is amazing. Thank that's you. That's a lovely idea, Kim. Unfortunately, he didn't say that. He said, I refuse to read this piece. Um, um, <laughs> new English journalists are always trying to stir up trouble or worse to that effect. So I got a lot of Eric Idle fans accusing me of being a, a hack of the vilest die in hue. So that was an interesting yeah. An interesting yeah, and they were calling money marketing tabloid, which is quite funny because yes. I decided not to step in and get involved in these debates. But anyway, that was a 24-hour wonder. There we go. Let let them get on with it, especially those who didn't even bother to read it. So, yeah, get riled up. (laughs) Yeah, so Um, that was me. Yeah, the internet will internet. Um, What about you, Darius? What stood out for you in February? Uh, um, I think, uh, and obviously it's related to the upcoming budget, but... um, I did a, a few articles um, regarding the um, 
uh, via Bushman of uh, Last Time Allowance coming up and um, what, what it means for uh, advisors and their clients. And uh, Asia Bell in particular have been <clears throat> releasing a, a few things to try to help advisors with this transition. Uh, one was uh, um, they've launched something called uh, Tech Zone, which is a, a tech hub for advisors to deal with uh, impending changes brought on from the, uh, the end of the LTA, um, which should be coming in April. Mm-hmm. Um, and also offering some uh, free webinars to advisors as well to try to help them like, navigate life post um, uh, LTA and you know, what, what, what's going to you know, come into a replace LTA effectively and you know, the, the transition from it and so forth. Um, and um, yeah, because I remember it was quite a big deal when uh, um, <clears throat> Jeremy Hunt announced the um, abolished it uh, last year during um, yeah. uh, his budget. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's, it's um, a decent amount of fallout sort of expected from it or, you know, there's be some, some big changes and uh, uh, I think, you know, advisors are very aware of this and uh, from conversations I've had with people like, you know, the, the LTA abolishments from you sort of dominating their conversations and so, yeah, I think there's a lot of, um, yeah, people sort of gearing up and getting ready for this change because they're, <clears throat> they're, they're aware that it's going to be, um, has a real big impact on their, on their job and their conversation with their clients. Yeah, definitely. Um, I feel like there's still speculation on how that's going to pan out, but it'll be something that we'll keep following. Um, yes. And Mamadou, what about you? Welcome back, I guess. Yeah, thank you, Kim. And it's good to be back. Um, yeah, first time um, since 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 when? October, I think. Yeah, since, you since haven't been back. on a podcast in forever. Exactly. It's nice so, to have you back. Yeah, me too. Um, good to be here with all these lovely um, people, lovely team. Yes, um, I came back. Um, I think first week February. Yeah, so mm-hmm. haven't done much. Haven't done much. Um, you haven't done much. You've been <laughs> writing so many stories, okay, churning well, out that content. <laughs> well, yeah, and um, and yeah, February, February. I mean, I think um, one thing that kind of like um, you know, uh, you know, uh, I mean, I mean, start for me would be um, the FCS um, recently. Property data on on the contributor. You know, I think mm-hmm. um, that was something we wanted to see. You know, data. You know, um, since it came into force, I mean, last July. You know, so um, I think um, the data coming in um, doesn't read well. You know, for farms because I think um, the FCA is saying you know um, some farms are, are still struggling with price and value. You know, I mean, in particular, you know, to kind of like um, demonstrate or to or to show. The um, consumers are having, I mean, I mean, fair value because mm-hmm. the, I mean, the whole idea of the consumer duty was to make sure that, um, you know, um, I mean, yeah, consumers, you know, have access to, I mean, to better pricing and come mm-hmm. better, 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 better value. So I thought um, that was something that that kind of stood out for me, you know, this uh, this month, you know, and then um, despite the challenge, you know, um, there have also been, you know, some some progress, you know. Yeah. Since, since the consumer duty came into force, you know, advice farms, you know, kind of like um, you know, structure their, their fees. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think that that's one positive. You know? Yeah, I think all big companies, small companies, they're all having to really take a look and be like, am I actually providing value for what I'm charging? Exactly. Um, which exactly. I think every company in the world should actually think about that as well. Um, right now at least um and lois what about you uh what stood out for you in february 
Um, well, it kind of vaguely relates to that because I think the main thing that stood out for me was um, SJP published its financial results um, right. not very long ago. And it made a £9.9 million loss. And that's compared with, how much did it make last year? £407.2 million that it made in profit in 2022. So that's okay. a big swing to loss. Um, and part of the reason it said is because it's it's noticed a marked increase in complaints from clients relating to ongoing servicing. Okay. Um, so its share price was hit on the morning, obviously, that the results came out, dropping mm-hmm. from 621 pence to 438 pence. It's now oh, gone back up to about 500 and something. So I don't think the share price will stay down for long, personally. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, lowest levels um, on its share price in 11 years, according to Reuters. So got hit quite badly. And yeah, a loss is not a good thing. But um, yeah, as I say, part of the reason is this ongoing service issue. So it's had to set aside £426 million for potentially refunding clients um, because it hasn't, according to its own assessment, it hasn't um, evidenced ongoing service well enough. And that kind of relates to something that the FCA released in the middle of the month. Um, It wrote to 20 of the largest firms asking them what they're doing on ongoing service. So it has concerns that clients are continuing to be charged after advice has been given Mm -hmm. for not doing very much. So basically clients are still being charged even though they're not really getting advice. So it's this whole whole thing looking at ongoing service, I think it's really interesting. Interesting? A really fascinating, (laughs) don't forget. Um, ongoing, ongoing story. Yeah, and I guess we'll see what, um, how that pans out towards the end of the year. I guess when they're going to scrap their fees, or um, I think it's twenty twenty five. Yeah, they're oh twenty twenty five exit fees. Um, that's yeah. another thing that's sort of come out of the consumer duty. Um, obviously deluge of cutting comments on the article. Um, about. <laughs> what SJP is doing wrong. Um, right. But then I, I also saw an, uh, a LinkedIn post from Abraham Okusanya, you know, of Timeline. Yes. Um, suggesting that this SJP bombshell announcement, he called it, um, is going to maybe lead to a lot of the larger firms and consolidators. Um, he says that they're facing a serious shakeup and that the breakaway advisor trend will accelerate, which is, you know, advisors breaking off and launching their own firms which is one of my favorite topics startup advice firms i love talking to um new business owners in advice i think i find it very inspiring so i hope that happens yeah personal perspective i think it's always good to have uh shake-ups like that um and entrepreneurship and all of that but some of the comments uh, under this linkedin post are quite um telling so obviously lots of people are saying that's great we need more small firms they tend to provide you know better service to clients but then um one i saw that i now can't find said it might actually result in less regulation of these firms because if there's a lot of small advice firms Mm -hmm. obviously the fca wouldn't say it directly but it is easier to regulate a few large firms than it is to regulate mm-hmm. a lot of small firms. Mm-hmm. And somebody's questioned on this LinkedIn post whether um, the FCA is recruiting for the oversight that it's going to need to provide to all these potentially small advice firms. 
coming out off the back of a lack of trust in larger firms. Yeah. Um, and if it's not, then it actually might result in less regulation, which is probably not a good thing. Well, when you said that, I did think of like all the stories that we have put out in the past about, you know, small firm uh, defrauded its clients um, yeah. going to these people going to jail for years and years and having to pay back however much money they might have taken from their clients. So there are always those cases. Um, and quite a yeah. few of them have been, I think, like it's 60 percent or something are appointed representatives under networks. Mm-hmm. So that's something else the FCA is looking at, um, getting networks to sort of tighten up oversight over their point of representatives to try mm-hmm. and prevent. <clears throat> but you can obviously, if you're launching your advice firm, you can take the appointed representative route or you can go directly authorised, um, which is where you have complete oversight over compliance and regulation. Um, right. So, yeah, it's a, it's definitely... An evolving oh, space. I really want to say interesting. <laughs> I was. Uh, that's why evolving. I gave you some Thank evolving. You. Yeah, evolving yeah. space. We'll yeah. see what happens. Watch this space. Exactly. As one should never say as a journalist. <laughs> I think Tom literally said that last month um, in the last month's podcast. But yeah, because we all um, wanted to end our leaders with yeah. "time will tell." <laughs> yeah, I was saying it ironically. Obviously, that's my guess. <laughs> Okay, um, and Dan, what about you? What stood out for you in February? Yeah, I think it's a couple, a couple of things for me. Um, going back full loop to what to what Tom was saying at the start about um, pensions, and uh, you know the, this this new um, news that apparently the UK state pension age is going to have to be increased to seventy one by uh, by twenty fifty. So. Yeah, all going to be working longer, but apparently. Um, Who's going to make uh, me? <laughs> not me, not me. Um, yeah, so it depends, just, you know, it's, it's obviously an ongoing issue that has been spoken about a lot over the last few months, particularly. Um, you, you know, pe- people are, there's all this talk about how do we get people saving more? Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's obviously difficult with a, with a, cost of living crisis that people just you know can't put more money away a lot of people um you know and mm-hmm. and how is that going to affect them later in life yeah it's, it's it, i think that i think the main thing was particularly particularly with the pensions crisis was yeah just how do, you know how do we get people saving more and Save more money it's kind of it's kind of a million pound question and uh <laughs> Well, I don't know. I think you get into like existential um, territory there. Because <laughs> it, yeah, it's there's uh... a fine balance because you have to be saving for your future, but also living in the present. Because as I said off the podcast, the world could end next month or tomorrow. Yeah, and, then... and not even just the world, but your own personal life could end. And oh, but I'm thinking, thinking about the whole like... world rather than my own mortality. <laughs> oh, oh. Okay, well, I'm a, I'm a little bit more true. of a nihilist in that way, I guess. Um, and that's why I'm always just like, um, if I'm saving, oh, I don't, I, I, I feel like if I say any of this, all the audience will be like, that's, don't, that's stupid. But, well, you should definitely say it then. Well, if I'm saving for me at 70 to do the things that I want to do right now, how will I even know that me at 70 mm. will enjoy any of those things? And and that's, I think that you also, 
um, apart from figuring out how to get people to save more, you also have to get through that mental barrier of people being like, but no, I want to go yeah. and travel the world now while yeah, I'm physically able to, rather than what, um, planning for a future where I don't know mm. if I'll have that capability or if I'll still be around. You know, Chris Budd, the financial advisor who's very into financial well-being, he says yeah. about this disconnect between um, you and your future self, not just you, Kim, yeah. anyone and their future self. And the fact that um, the same part of the brain lights up when you think about your future self as when you think about a stranger. So if you're mm-hmm. ask if you're putting money into a pension, you're basically asking, being asked to give money to a stranger. Yeah. Which is quite, and yeah. also I just, I think about... Um, for example, I I also have a, a a pension. It's probably not that much, but by the time I'm like in my sixties, when I could cash it out, um, it it might be a substantial. But it's in Korea, and for me, that's money that I'll never probably attain because the chances of me flying back there to actually go and claim it because I couldn't claim it now. Um, there's a part of me that also thinks like, oh, I'm cashing in to this pension. What if it's just something that i'll never actually again nihilist so <laughs> that's that's actually um it's interesting what you're saying though Lois and kim about about that because about your future self and you know thinking 30 40 50 years down the line because there was that report recently wasn't there um darius wrote the story and um you're saying that if you if you save 460 pound a month from your i think it's early to mid 20s mm-hmm. then you'll become a an, uh, a pensions millionaire as they call it so have, yeah. you have a have a pension pot of a million pound or more in uh, once you reach retirement age but like you said you know a that's 460 pound a month is a lot of money at any age mm-hmm. and b you know when you're when you are in your 20s are you really thinking oh do you know what i'm gonna put 460 pound a month by when i'm 60 it's just yeah i i can understand putting 460 mm. pounds away if you're like i want to save for a house short term thing yeah yeah um but yeah. yeah it's it's a very it's very difficult to um balance those things mm. i think yeah. and also sorry i just said with an article you're talking about that if you did wait until uh your 30s uh to hit to pension millionaire it'd just be 775 pounds a month and if you waited to your 40s it'd be 1400 a month to save into your pension to hit a pension yeah. millionaire so yeah it, but yeah i think we've got 20s 30s 40s is a is a decent amount you're putting aside in your pension to hit that um that millionaire uh pension millionaire target yeah yeah definitely definitely i think and you'd I think... have to be someone who's living at home and not paying rent to be able to do that yeah that's it. So I think that, that the pension stuff was kind of for me. Yeah, that was one of the one of the main things from from February, and it kind of tied in with um, the other sort of main story that I was gonna gonna talk about, which was the um, the report from the Landcat about um, advised platforms suffering their worst ever outflows in two thousand twenty three, and it being the worst year sort of on on record for it. And um, it was sort of pensions. Pensions nice as it kind of took a battering, as they called it. So, yeah, it's going going back to it. A lot of people obviously taking money out of pensions to to help them, themselves and their family with the cost of living crisis. Mm-hmm. And you know, so you've got from so on one end, you've got um, sort of people taking money out of their pensions to to help with the cost of living. Um, 
then you've got the the other end of the coin where we're, we're being told that people aren't you know people aren't saving enough money for mm-hmm. retirement and it's kind of like this middle ground of like where, where, where do we go from here i know like the nucleus has called for like a long-term savings commission and um, you know it's like a cross-party kind of effort to try and tackle the issue but it's just is yeah it's a difficult one to know where um to know where it's going to go from here really that but that was the other that was the other story though but i thought was really interesting is it was the the advised um platform outflows and you know it, it being the worst year and it's something I, I wrote about a little bit in my um in my leader for for the, the latest mag which it's just about kind of you know where where do platforms go from here you know if, if 2023 was the worst year Record, mm-hmm. but will 2024 and 2025 be any better? You know, if, if what um, improvements are they making? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's well, it's you know, it's difficult to know. It's difficult to know where it's going to go because you still got kind of at the moment high interest rates in cash. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, who knows? Um, and since you brought up the march issue uh dan mm-hmm. i'll stick with you is there anything um that's coming up in march that you wanted to highlight um yes yeah, so it's mainly the um mainly the one i mentioned on the buyers outflows mm-hmm. okay that was the main story cool well we'll make sure to look out for that one um and tom what about you what uh would you like to highlight for march uh, well, um, selfishly, my interview with uh, Stephen Levine of um, Quilter Fame, uh, CEO mm-hmm. of Quilter, uh, we had a very interesting conversation. Um, he's been uh, a member of, uh, he joined Quilter back in 1998 and has been through its, all its various kind of like evolutions since then. Uh, mainly, he's, he's taken a very key role in in um, in building up its platform and the what we described as the epic platform migration journey which took three and a half years it was biggest uh, platform migration uh, in uk history and uh, he had lots of very very fascinating things to say about that and where the platform is now and you know how well it's doing um he had some very interesting speculations about um the future of ai in the advice space as well all about sort of like ai robot advisors and what have you very speculative i do hasten to add quilter is not rolling out these robots <laughs> anything, but um it's always interesting to talk to people you know of at that level about technology and where they think it will go um yeah, nice chat about rugby and cricket as well. Although that was slightly marginal discussion at the end of the interview, <laughs> but he was extremely friendly and uh, we got a really nice inter- interview out of it. And that's um that's one of the sort of lead features in the magazine. So I I uh, I would commend that to everyone's attention. Yeah, definitely check out the MM meets uh, when that does come out. Um, and Lois, what about you? What do you want to highlight for March? Um, I wrote the cover feature for March. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wrote a two-page leader, but that was about the FCA ongoing service thing, which I've already mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, co- the cover feature was on um, the letters of authority process, which is something if I ever mention letters of authority to an advisor, they roll their eyes. So I thought it was probably about time I did something in depth on that. Yeah. Um, I won't go into too much detail because I'll I'll go into detail next month. But okay. um, it's basically about how some providers are still very much stuck in the past on quite a few processes, but particularly letters of authority. Um, some of them still asking for wet signatures when 
in other areas. Mm-hmm. I saw Elon Musk tweet a, a robot walking around an exhibition the other day. So yeah. there's there's plenty of technological advancement, which I mean it means they I'm I'm sure they could accept electronic signatures. But anyway, I think it's quite a lot of legacy issues which many of them need to sort out. They are fairly big companies, but that's not necessarily an excuse. Yeah. I think that is, I think within financial services, that's an issue because when I talk to like the people on the mortgage side as well, that's an issue. And that's why they say that like the chain for purchasing a house is so long because of the process of like having to get a wet signature, which was alleviated a little bit during the pandemic because people couldn't physically do it. But it seems people have gone back, which is yeah, I know it's strange. And speaking of the pandemic, one of the things, not just in financial services, across most customer services businesses, is this thing about when you call them and they say we're experiencing unprecedented levels of call or high um, unusually high call volumes at the moment, Mm -hmm. and it just. If that's the case every time, they're not unusual anymore, are they? So no. maybe, maybe you should hire more staff. So you're not getting... Yeah, that is so true. Products. I've never thought about that. But I know Martin Lewis yeah. has launched some sort of campaign to across um, various like utilities and <clears throat> broadband and so on, uh, and financial services, getting people to say when they've had that message, when they've called their customer services provider. I get it every time I call any of mine. Yeah, so. same. Yeah, bad. No matter what day, what time, it's always the same. So I called mm. um, a certain bank one time at 9.30pm and they said they were experiencing unprecedented levels of calls. And I was like, wow, who's calling you at 9.30pm? <laughs> if I said AM, then I meant PM. Um, yeah. Except me. It was ridiculous. <laughs> It's a cover. It's a cover and we're going to unravel it. It's not true. Yeah, it's true. Um, And Darius, uh, what about you? What would you like to highlight for March? Um, It's it's, uh, not going to be in the magazine, but there's a a piece going up. Um, We're going to ESG and it basically looks, there's been quite a few bits of uh, negative um, uh, press and sort of stature going to ESG investments and and uh, sort of advise appetite towards the towards the issue and so forth. And so I, I sort of uh, spoke to a few people in the industry and just try to get a bit more of a, a thorough, detailed look to you know just how true is it that you know ESG investments is uh, dwindling out or is actually uh, more to it. And um, you know, what, yeah, one argument was that you know twenty twenty three was a it was a bad year for. Um, you know, a lot of funds, a lot of investments, and you know, it's it's not really fair just to single out ESG because a, a you know a lot of uh, a lot of different asset classes uh, felt the uh, strain of it. Mm-hmm. For so, sure, yeah. I think I've noticed as well, just in terms of people talking or wanting to talk about ESG, it has really petered out, and hardly anyone mentions it. So it kind of feels like it's no longer important to pe- some advisors investors whatever i think i think the acronym doesn't help it's really ugly (laughs) yeah so what they need is a rebrand i do have a thing against acronyms but esg is one of the worst i've ever seen in my life okay so so we need to sit down have a rebrand for esg and then get the ball rolling again yeah 
about GSA or something like that. Yeah, no. no. It'll be no. something better. You don't know how to fly? Okay, fine. Um, but yeah, no, that's uh, yeah, that's um, that's <clears throat> that'll be um, come out soon. That's what, um, yeah. Okay. For the next edition, yeah. Great. And Momadou, I know that you're still kind of getting acclimated or reacclimated, uh, mm-hmm. but is there anything you wanted to highlight for March? Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, pretty much there's no. Um, I think for the mic, but I think mm-hmm. um, for much, uh, I mean, I would say the budgets, you know, so that's yes, yeah, we're looking forward to um, the big day budgets, you know, so yeah, uh, you say that, that and then like hardly anything, <laughs> <laughs> you don't, they, they're just no, they, well, there's potential that they might just uh keep play it safe because it is election year, exactly. Um, I mean, this is their last chance, you know, so I mean, who knows, you know, maybe they might throw up, you know, something we, we yeah. don't know. But to, to Tom put it, they don't want to, Labour doesn't want to scare the horses, I'm sure. Um, Conservatives <laughs> don't either. And horses are very easy to scare. It's true. It's possible that they might uh, do something on uh, non-dom status. Have they noticed this? To use another, really? well, to use another animal metaphor, they might uh, shoot one of Labour's foxes, as they say. Because <laughs> this would have been potentially a, 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 a headline thing for the for Labour Party to do, and a more natural thing for the Labour Party to do. Yeah. Uh, if yeah. the Tories do it, then, you know, how will Labour so, react? So, as in people who have non-dom status will be taxed now? And that's the that's the speculation uh, whether the Tories would go that far. Given um, I don't want to say anything too much. <laughs> I was going to say who donates to their parties. Someone's going to be having exactly. difficult conversations at home. Exactly with, with your wife. <laughs> so remember how you didn't have to pay taxes? Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, uh, that will be interesting, and I guess we'll cover that um, in our budget. Um, spring budget podcast uh when that comes out um but i think this is a great time to wrap everything up so um thank you again for joining me for this end of month podcast and i love talking to you guys as always and i look forward to talking to you guys for the budget podcast and our end of month podcast as well thank, thank you, you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. 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 bye thanks Kim. thank you thanks bye